You are listening to the official podcast of Grace Atumwa, Episode 4, Why Do We Need Christmas in 2020? If Christmas is about shopping sprees and family gatherings, and those just aren't the same this year, why don't we just skip the holiday? Of course, Christmas is about so much more than that. If there was ever a year that we needed Christmas, this is it. So why Christmas? And why do we need it this year? We'll explore this in today's episode, based upon Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. Why Christmas in 2020? That's our question today. Why Christmas in 2020? I mean, if Christmas is about all the shopping sprees, or if Christmas is about the family gatherings, and neither of those are the same this year, then why not just skip it over? Why not pass it over? Why not say, well, that was a good idea. Let's try again next year. I'll even go a step further. If Christmas is about a really cute baby that was born in a barn 2,000 years ago, and it's really fun to sing songs about that baby, then why not just skip it? Because we can skip the songs, and we can do them next year, if that's all it is. But what Christmas is about is it's not just any baby. What Christmas is about is it's a baby who is more than a baby, who entered an upside-down world. And we're living in an upside-down world, right? We're living in an upside-down world filled with disease. We're looking at COVID right now, and it's one of the main diseases on people's minds because it's new, because it's deadly. But it's not the only disease. If we look around at this world today, we see disease in so many different places. And we look at that and we say, really, God? Is this what you had in mind when you created the world? We see what's happening in this world today. We see people who are suffering. And we say, really, God, is that what you had in mind? Someone mentioned in the comments, all the poverty, rampant poverty, extensive poverty. People who didn't get a fair shot in life. And we say, really? This is not the good and beautiful world that we read about God making. And Genesis 1, God creates the whole world and calls it very good. And then we look around and we see this place where it's become less than good. We see strife. What do you notice when you people watch on Facebook? Because I, we all people watch. That's what Facebook is. It's a big people watching 
location. Most people don't comment. Most people don't type anything. Occasionally someone will, will like or share, but then there are those that comment and comment and comment. And what do you notice? A lot of the comments are arguments. A lot of them are who's right and who's wrong. A lot of them is just filled with strife. And I'm finding it even more of this year than previous years. This can't be what God had in mind when he created you and me, humans, and said that is very good. Like, today I see a paradox. I see two evils. I see selfish individualism where people say, I'm going to do whatever is best for me, and I'm not going to think about how that could affect others. And then on the other side, I see destructive attempts to control other people. And neither lives into the unity I believe God wants for people. Mutual caring for one another. I see grief and I see loss and you do too. We all know people who are, are dying. People who are dying of the virus or have died, but also people who for things unrelated to the virus, we know that their time here on earth is drawing to a close and we're grieving. And in this upside down world, the grief goes beyond life and death. It also goes beyond to friendships that are lost and plans that were lost. We had plans for 2020. When we started the year, we said 2020, that's the clear vision year. That's the year that we're going to have a clear sight on what we want in this world, and we're going to step forward into it. And now it's upside down. And we've just scratched the surface of all the struggles that we face every year in this world, in this upside down world, or as Ben called it earlier, this yellow lava pool in a desert world. And Christmas was made for a world like this. For a world like this, Christmas offers a promise that Jesus will heal this world. In our scripture today, it was written 700 years before the first Christmas, 700 years before Jesus was born. And Isaiah the prophet looks around at this world and saw that was in the same mess that we see it in. Disease? Yep, he saw it. War? <laughs> yeah, he saw it. Betrayal? Famine? Poverty? Divisions. And Isaiah didn't try to pretend that all was well. Isaiah knew. When others said, oh, it'll be fine. This terrible turn of events will all turn around. Isaiah's response was not in your lifetime. And Isaiah's hope came down to two things. Because he still had hope. He had a clear, honest look at what was happening in this world. And he had a relentless hope. His hope was that God is with you in the struggle, that you are not alone. And his hope was that Jesus 
will heal this world. Now, this was 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah didn't know Jesus's name, but he knew Jesus's family. Centuries, even before Isaiah, God chose a man named David, the son of Jesse, to lead God's people. And through David's leadership, God's people were able to shine God's light in a dark world. That's what they were called to do anyway. They were called to shine God's light in this dark world. And truth, it often didn't go that way. By the time of Isaiah, David's kingdom had fallen like a tree cut down. The kingdom didn't shine God's light. Instead, the people who are supposed to be the people of God, well, they perpetuated the same evils of this world. And yet, the promise remains. And Isaiah gives this prophecy in Isaiah 11.1. 1, Out of the stump of Jesse, David's family, will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch. That that promise that there would be a people that God was forming and creating to be a light to this world. That God hadn't given up on that promise. And God says in this prophecy through Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The very breath, spirit is a word, it, it, it means breath, the breath of God, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That new shoot from David's family would be Jesus. Jesus who would be a baby. Jesus who would be a little child. Jesus who would grow up to be a man. Jesus who would show people the way of God. Jesus who would die on the cross. Face death head on. Jesus who would be buried. Jesus who would rise again defeating death. But that Jesus wasn't just a man. That Jesus was also the son of God. And the spirit of the Lord rested upon him. That Jesus delights in obeying the Lord. When we look at the people of God, the people of God that God was forming, led by David. And they didn't delight in obeying the Lord. God says, I'm starring over again, and here's Jesus out of that line of David. And this is going to be different. When we look around, we see this evil in this world. If we're honest with ourselves, we can see a lot of human evil has to do with not wanting to obey God, not wanting to trust God, wanting to simply live for ourselves. And Isaiah gives this prophecy about Jesus, who will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. That Jesus will turn these things around. That the earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Wouldn't it be something if the wickedness of this world was destroyed? The essence of this is that Jesus will heal this world, that sin will be destroyed, that exploitation will be dealt with. And Isaiah's prophecy goes further. And this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. That nature itself will be healed. 
This prophecy goes back to the Garden of Eden, the good world that God creates before evil entered and says, we're going to heal nature itself. In Isaiah 11, 6, Isaiah says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. Can you just picture this? The wolf and the lamb lying down together. Not because the wolf wants a snack. Just to take a nap. Can you imagine the leopard lying down with a baby goat? And Isaiah goes on. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child will lead them all. Does this sound like naiveness? When, when you see the suffering of this world where powerful people take advantage of others. Does this seem odd? When you see what's happening in this world. Where we look around and say so much in this world is not safe. And then Isaiah continues in 11.8, the baby will play safely near the hole of the cobra. And I read that, I think, get my child away from there. But Isaiah keeps going, yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Now, this might be allegory. This might be an image. And I believe it is. It, it could be considered as an image for how this future that Jesus is creating will deal with human evil. So humans don't take advantage of one another. But the other part is there, too, that in this future, natural evil will be dealt with. Can you picture a world with no disease? Can you picture a world with no harm? Can you picture the world that Isaiah describes in the next verse? Nothing will hurt, nothing will destroy, and all of my holy mountain. Can you picture this world? This is the world that we're called to imagine when we think of Christmas, when we think of the coming of Jesus, the totality of healing. On God's holy mountain, the dwelling place of God, We're to picture this place, that in the place where God dwells, there's no harm. And if you are reading this passage like I've read it for years, you might be thinking, Pastor, I know they're, they're talking about that, but that's up in heaven. That's up in heaven. That's not here on earth. Then read this next passage. As you continue in, in the ninth verse, Isaiah says, For as waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Isaiah is not just talking about the dwelling place of God. Isaiah is saying the whole earth is the dwelling place of God. God is with us here. And I, I can imagine you saying on the other side of the screen saying, Pastor, I'm looking around and Jesus was born 2000 years ago. And as I look around at this world, and you're telling me that Jesus came to heal this world and that that's the Christmas story. I'm looking around at this world and saying, Pastor, are you blind? The world's still upside down. 
We're still in this yellow acid pool desert. There's so much in life that isn't fair. And for most people to listen to this, we're saying life isn't fair and we have it better off than most. Why Isaiah is talking about in Jesus is an already reality in Jesus coming that's not yet accomplished. At Christmas, Jesus comes. At Christmas, God steps into the world. At Christmas, God takes on flesh and is born as a child and begins to create this reality. And similarly to, to a chess game, for those of you who've played chess, there's a point at which the game is already won, but you haven't met, reached checkmate yet. In the same way today, yes, we see suffering all around. We see struggle all around. But through what Jesus has done, the game is already won. That is the Christmas story, that Jesus came to heal this world. And when Jesus returns, Isaiah 11.10 says, In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world, that Jesus will heal this world. Not just little corners of it. Not just zap up disembodied souls into heaven somewhere. Jesus has come to heal this world, to set right all that is wrong again. And today we are called to live by the story that when we say it's Christmas, yes, we think of a little baby in a manger. And yes, we sing the songs and they're beautiful. And we know what this baby has come here to do to set right all that's wrong in this world, to say Jesus will heal this world. So that when you say, see sin in this world, when you see a powerful person taking advantage of someone else, you don't just look at it and say, oh, that's awful. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, let's post about it on social media. Oh, let's put up some memes. Oh, let's say that's too bad. Oh, let's say someone should do something about it. No, we also say, Jesus will heal this world. When you see natural evil, people die before their time. Or maybe it's such a thing that they die and you can make a case of why it's their time, but death was not God's original plan here. To grieve, honestly grieve, and say Jesus will heal this world. And when you see people fighting, we see them arguing and butting heads with one another. You say these words out loud. I ask that you say it out loud to yourself right now. Jesus will heal this world. And as you see that baby born in the manger, and you walk around the block, and you see nativity saying out that you look at that baby and you say, Jesus will heal this world. Because this is our truth. Nobody else will tell you this. Amazon is not going to tell you the truth about the world at Christmas. Microsoft, Google, Apple, they aren't going to tell you the truth about the world at Christmas. And why would they? It's not their truth to tell. This is our truth. This is our story. 
This is our story, our Christmas story, that Jesus has come to heal this world. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumwa. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Atumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa, spelled O-T-T-U-M-W-A, dot org. Thank you for listening.